Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Rodenverse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today I am not alone as I have a very special guest in the form of the one, the only, the fantabulous Maddie from the incredible Fatal Floor podcast, which if you haven't listened to, by the way, you should do it now because otherwise, you know, this is a threat. Um, <laughs> so, Maddie, thank you so much for coming on to the Best Damn Camp. <laughs> I oh my gosh, that is like the most amazing like intro that I've ever had before. That was so, that like built up my confidence. I feel great. <laughs> Oh, wow. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, no worries. It is a lot of fun. I love having guests on because like I do this all by myself. So when I have a guest on, I'm like, yay, more people to share in my madness. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's so fun to like talk to people about Percy Jackson. We just have a great time. Honestly, exactly. Um, but with that, uh, tell everyone listening in a little bit about Fate Flora and where you can where they can find your podcast. Yeah, so I am actually just one half of Fatal Flaw. I do this with my friend Molly. Uh, We're a little bit of a different Percy Jackson podcast. We actually um, don't go in any sort of order. We don't do like a read along. We do it by theme. So we have like different episodes talking about different themes throughout the entire Percy Jackson series um, up through Heroes of Olympus. And um, so we just kind of get on, have our friends on and vibe and talk about Percy Jackson. And it's a really great time. Uh, You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, that sort of thing at Fatal Flaw. All right. Fabulous. So um, obviously that's going to be linked in the episode show notes for everyone listening to go check that out. Because like I said, every time I have a guest on who is a fellow Percy Jackson podcast, it is not a request to check them out. It is a demand. Um, (laughs) Get more Percy Jackson in your life by listening to all the Percy Jackson podcasts. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Um, But today we are continuing the timeline journey with the Lost Hero story break the hunters of artemis which obviously as everyone knows from my intro and my outro i am a fellow hunter of artemis um so this is this is where it's at and i'm so excited to talk with you amadi about this um so for anyone who's wanting to read along this is from pages 360 to 401 because it couldn't be an even number of course <sighs> oh my god it actually kind of stressed me out when i had to write in 401 i was like no why just round it up just one page just get it to four or three but no no just had to get on my nerves didn't it (laughs) um but as always there are the points to focus on for this episode so today we've got relationships mythology narrative and generally what we thought of it 
But to begin, here is the synopsis. Maddie, do you want to give like a sort of overview of what happened in these sections? Then you go wild oh. with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On the spot. Um, so I guess we start with um, them on the on Festus and they had just left Midas's house. Oh wait, I guess they're not on Festus. They're like somewhere. And um, Piper has hypothermia and she's really sick, of course. And, <laughs> um, and uh, they're talking and she they're warming her up and they're figuring out what they have to do next. So it turns out they're in Colorado. Um, I actually don't remember what Leo has to say, but Piper, <laughs> oh, Leo talked to his dad. I, I forgot about that. So Leo talked to his dad, figures out that they actually need a demigod and a god to fight the giants, which is kind of a bummer because they can't reach the gods. Piper reveals that her dad has been kidnapped, which is also sad. And she says, you know, I have to betray you guys, but they're friends. So she wants to tell them and then they reassure her that they're, they don't hate her. And um, of course there's all that self-doubt. And then um, they've got to figure out how to save both Hera and her dad, but they don't have time because they're attacked by wolves. Um, and so I don't know how to pronounce the King of the Wolves name because I don't speak Greek. Um, <laughs> he shows up and then all hope is lost until the hunters of Artemis come and save them. Of course, because they save everyone because they're the best. And then we find out that Jason and Talia are related and we move on to go visit the King of the Wind. And I think that's where we ended. Yeah, that's a pretty good overview there. That's basically all the stuff that happens. Like, th this is the whole thing that I feel about The Lost Hero. So much happens whilst, like, nothing happens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I totally agree. It's, it's kind of like, I, this is the thing. I talked about this with um, Erica and Carter, like, in uh, last week's episode. Um, and you feel tired when you're reading this book, just like, oh. But like, well, we get to four, page four hundred and one of like five, nearly six hundred page book, and we're like, well, at least we're kind of getting close to the main point of this book. We're still quite a way off, though. I know it's exhausting. I actually, I didn't read the Heroes of Olympus until I was an adult, which I think was like a big mistake because I read like the whole Percy Jackson series again, which I read as a kid. And I was like, wow, this is so awesome. And then I went to the lost hero and I almost didn't finish the sea. Like I almost didn't start sea of Neptune because this book just drags forever. I think it took like three weeks to read this children's novel because it's so long and there's so much going on in it. And I don't care about really any of the characters in it. And it was very, it was hard. It was hard to get through. Yeah, I kind of get that. I think I had that a little when I first started. I think the only reason why I didn't get it too much is because I was reading the series for the first time, like all at once when I was like 19. So I finished Percy Jackson and immediately went into Heroes of Olympus, just wanting to get through it all. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, well, also, I, I had a girlfriend in London at the time. So I was like, I was reading them on like the bus train journey, in, which is like a like nearly two hours so I had the time all the same and nothing else to do so I think that kind of helped a little bit yeah that makes it makes 
the bus ride easier, I think. Yes, definitely. This is definitely a good book for reading on a bus because you're not fully paying attention because you want to make sure that you get off at the right stop. But like it helps kind of it, uh, it helps the journey a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Um, or you just kind of don't remember anything about it, which is sometimes good as well, because The Lost Hero is like one of those books. It's just like you could skip it. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Except then if you skip it, you've got all these characters. You're like, who are these people? And they are just kind of there. But Sparks notes, I guess, then. Sparks yeah. notes or something. <laughs> um, but to get into, into the book itself. Um, so we're starting off um, with these first two chapters from Piper's perspective. And like I've discovered this through my most recent reread for the podcast. Piper is pretty much the only character whose POV I care about in this book. Which surprises me because I didn't used to like her character. But now I'm reading this, I'm like, she's literally the only character I care about in this book. Yeah, I kind of agree on that one. I'm I'm more of a Leo fan. I do like Leo, but getting through those Jason chapters was like pulling teeth. I will say I do not care about that character at all. No, no. So hard. Uh, literally. I think Piper Watson has like the most interesting story. Like with her chapters overview here, there's just so much hap- that happens. Like there's some Jason things where I'm kinda like, don't really care about that. But like the rest of it is just really interesting. Um, so I guess kind of to go over the overview, would you like to read Piper's overview or do you want to read Leo's later? I'll, I'll read Leo's cause, cause I'll save you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not a Leo fan. I'm like Maddie knows. Oh no. <laughs> I've heard rumors. Rumors. Yes. That's what nearly got me canceled from this fandom. <laughs> um yes i will read piper's chapter overview oh gosh okay so, so we'll never cancel you for not liking a man don't worry yeah i was gonna say i feel like as a lesbian i feel like that's just something i definitely can't be canceled for like that's the entire point of my being like oh god oh dear which makes sense why i'm sticking to the female characters i'm just like this is where I'm at. <laughs> um, so Piper's chapter's overview. Pay attention, Fran. Piper awakes with hypothermia and Jason attentively looking after her. <laughs> caught on the Midas of, uh, caught up on the Midas events and the fact that they're now in Colorado, Leo reveals his own news. The gods need the demigods' help to defeat the giants or all is lost. And the gods don't like admitting this fact. With trouble on the horizon, Piper herself finally comes clean about her father and her friend's response is not what she expected. A rescue plan for her father is being discussed, but of course, something gets in the way. Wolves! Arriving to put a dent in their lives is Lycaon, I'm guessing, king of the wolves, and he wants our heroes for lunch. Except Jason. He used to be a gift to a woman who wants to kill him herself. Out of options, our heroes face down the wolves until the hunters arrive to save them. And then Jason meets his sister for the first time. Da, 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 da. I feel like I need to, like, have you ever heard of the, oh, it's a UK show, so maybe not. Like, there's a show in the UK called Long Lost Families, which, like, reunites family members. And that's all I can picture. There's, like, a specific theme song 
that goes with the long lost families and that's just kind of what i've got in my head and like the opening title sort of situation for that of jason and talia <laughs> I I'm have gonna... not seen that show, but that's kind of hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll have to share it on the group because that's like the first thing that came to mind. Maybe I should make that. Actually, Robert, I know you're listening. If I send you the, the title card for this, could you make that into one of the memes for this week, please? I love how you just ask them for custom memes in the middle of recording. <laughs> you're like, I know they're listening. They're going to make it. <laughs> thank you Robert I love you so much (laughs) (laughs) um that's literally the first that's the one thing that comes into my mind when I'm reading this because it's like it's literally a long lost family situation and it's kind of hilarious to me um that whole situation because it just feels really weird like the fact that they're family members I just don't get it so (laughs) random it is so insanely random how she just shows up and she's like oh my gosh you're my brother (laughs) nobody knows yeah it's just just so weird yeah I just I don't get that decision but we'll talk about that a little later with the relationship aspect but um for for Piper's chapters in this like obviously we're getting quite a lot of information like she's finally opened up about the whole father situation um I'm just intrigued as to kind of what you think about like her response of like the fact that she's kind of adamant that they should be angry at her and not kind of taking this in their stride so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that well I feel like as women we are always told to put our lives on hold for the men in our lives I just feel like as society that's something that we're told um Piper has like two very strong men that she looks up to her father and her grandfather and I feel like she was like, well, they would be mad and disappointed at me for betraying my friends. Everybody should be mad and disappointed in me at betraying my friends. And um, I think she just holds a lot of guilt about, you know, her place in the three. She, she feels inferior because she's a child of Aphrodite, so she feels weaker. I I know, internalized misogyny that we all have because society tells us women have to be weaker and put other people's feelings and beliefs ahead of ours. And I honestly, I think it's like a great character arc just because, I, I don't think she should feel that way, but I do feel that it is pretty authentic like her feeling that way like oh my gosh they're gonna be so angry at me because I have my own agenda because women are not supposed to have their own agenda I think it's like actually a really great representation of what women in at least America I know you're not in America but at least what women in America are taught to believe growing up in a patriarchal patriarchal society oh my gosh (laughs) That is a difficult word to say, so I completely get that. <laughs> <laughs> the patriarchy. The patriarchy. It's so abhorrent that you can't even say the word. Um, <laughs> but I completely get, get you. And that actually, that makes a lot of sense in terms of it. It's just like, and, and kind of her also comparing, like she has this moment in earlier sections where she compares her situation, like she doesn't want to be a betrayer like Selena and these sort of things. And like, there's something I've always I've always hated the fact that Selena is brought up in a way that is kind of like putting her down but we never have a moment of that happening with like Luke Luke's 
hero- heroism is never questioned in Heroes of Olympus, but Selena's is. And that kind of makes it works a lot in terms of what you've just been saying there about like the patriarchy and women not having their own agendas and not being able to kind of work things to their own advantage and having reasons for doing things. Um, and it just makes a lot of sense for like Piper as a character in general. And unfortunately, it does kind of disappear later down the line with the other books. Like her character basically disappears after. I feel like she's a much stronger character in The Lost Hero than she is in the other books, which is unfortunate because The Lost Hero is shit in comparison to the other books. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know, like, I guess it kind of it helps a little bit for me because I was always wondering, like, why did she keep it a secret? Like, there was nothing keeping her from telling them. And then I was like, well, I guess they aren't technically, like, properly friends because The Mist. And so hearing that explanation from you, it makes so much more sense now why she kept it a secret because of these preconceived ideas of, you know, patriarchy and women having to keep these things to themselves to kind of not put men in difficult positions sort of situation. I like that. Oh my God, I'm learning so much. (laughs) (laughs) I have some good insight sometimes. (laughs) Oh my God. Also, yes, I hate the Aphrodite slander so much. We even get it in this chapter. She's like, oh, I'm just a dumb child of Aphrodite. And I'm like, bitch, use it. <laughs> I know. I love Aphrodite. I think she is the most, one of the most interesting and honestly, one of the most powerful gods that they have. Like she yes. is so freaking cool. I love Aphrodite so much. Honestly, it's one of the, like Aphrodite and Ares portrayal are the things that I hate the most from this series because they are so poorly done in comparison to their actual Greek counterparts. Like, Ares is made to be like an abusive dad in this, whereas like, he was one of the good gods from the original mythology. Like, so Poseidon is the good dad and Ares is the abuser, when in actuality, Poseidon is the abuser in the original mythology and Ares is a pretty cool guy and protected his children on multiple occasions, even his demigod children. And then Aphrodite as well. Aphrodite in this case like was it in the final battle she f- throws flowers at or something at one of the enemies I'm like really the oldest most powerful god is throwing flowers as a weapon come on <laughs> I guess it's supposed to be that whole like make love not war thing but I think yeah Rick does I don't think that he necessarily does the right thing with his portrayal of the gods a lot of the time. Like Mm. I know, and we talk about this a lot on Fatal Flaw is that um, they like tricks that he's trying to use to dumb things down for children really are just like in poor taste. Mm. Like he, he does things that he, I guess thinks will like make it easier for children to read his books but people really just underestimate how smart children actually are and so he uses these dumb tricks like oh Ares is just this bad guy that wears a motorcycle jacket because that represents war but like kids I think they understand like the nuances of a war god more than Rick gives them credit for Mm. no I completely agree with you with that it's just it's definitely something that yeah, I, I agree. The Rick could have done a lot better <laughs> with it. Um, and then the fact that we obviously, like, these few characters also aren't the best. Like, we have this moment of Piper feeling useless when the wolves are arriving and kind of not being able to help. And I'm like, 
girl, you are the only reason these boys are alive on multiple occasions in this book. Like, we've got Medea, we've got some early, like, technically even at uh, the Grand Canyon, she was helping Jason out with this whole situation by, like, getting things to him, keeping the, the wind spirits distracted when necessary and all that sort of stuff. And she's done loads of things. And these boys have died, nearly died, not actually died, nearly died on many occasions in this book. And, like, the moment she's kind of, like, out of action a little bit that suddenly sends her on like the spiral of believing that she's completely insignificant and like unhelpful and i'm like come on in the nicest way also to leo leo has done less <laughs> to help in fights than anyone else he's had one good moment which was with the uh, the cyclopses in detroit um but other than that this boy ain't it in terms of the battling like piper has done so much more and i'm like piper come on give yourself some credit please but i guess patriarchy as well in terms of her not being able to do that it's hard for women to feel like they're contributing (laughs) it really is especially i feel for her like she's with these two guys two teenage boys i can't even imagine going on a cross-country journey with leo and jason i feel like and she's got this crush on jason which just you know it, that's hard when you're like with someone and you don't know if they like you back and then you're feeling insecure about yourself you want to look your best and I feel for her I totally get it and I mean mm. she's what 15 oh my gosh yeah around that I think like 15 or 16 yeah um, this I can't even imagine being her it must be so hard <laughs> yeah. I just think back to when I was a teenage girl and I wasn't even fighting for my life and it was just, it was hard out there. Even when my dad like hadn't been kidnapped, you know, like it's. I was so confused. I thought you layers. meant. I thought you meant for a second that your dad had been kidnapped at one point. I was like, what? Oh my god, that's that's so that crazy. Like plot twist. Like I'm just bringing out my trauma. No, my dad was never kidnapped. Oh my god, uh, I heard that. That so I'm aware. Wrong. Oh my god. Wow, Fran, you need to get your hearing checked. I misread that so much. I was like, wait, your dad was kidnapped when you were a teenager? That's oh no. Oh god. Wow, that was that was a trip. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> oh god. Wow, okay, yeah. So let's quickly move on from my embarrassment with that section there. But um you know, I, I mean, there's lots of things that I've been coming to like appreciate more about Piper's character in this book, and and kind of hearing more from your perspective as well of like her her reasons for doing things as well. Um, it's why I'm just kind of like, why do people hate Piper as a character? I just truly do not get it at all. I don't either. I really like Piper. I think Piper's got this thing going on where she's like, I'm not like other girls. And I will be honest, when I first met Piper, I was like, oh, God, another one of these girls that hates other girls. It's going to be so annoying. And, you know, in The Lost Hero, she is a bit unbearable with stuff like that. I'm going to I'm going to be honest. She's a little unbearable when she is like, I can't I don't want to be like these other Aphrodite girls. This is I don't want to be a girly girl. But I feel like it also is important to her character and I'm sure I was as unbearable as she was when I was 15 because 15 year old girls can be unbearable 
15 year old boys can be unbearable. They're teenagers. Uh, they suck. <laughs> There's a reason people yell at them to get off their lawns because they suck. I'm sorry if you're a teenager listening to this, but you probably suck too. And your parents probably think that too, because you're mean to them. <laughs> That's just how it is. Teenagers are mean. They intimidate me. I'm scared of them. <laughs> Teenagers, you're terrifying. You'll grow out of it. It's okay. And that's how I feel about Piper. <laughs> okay. I think that's somehow like the best description like <laughs> of just teenagers. Like these kids are teenagers. So of course they suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's the best thing that I've heard about it. <laughs> to move on to the Leo's chapters, and you are welcome to go ahead with reading the overview. Please um, disregard the probable spelling mistakes within it. <laughs> Do you want me to like read it verbatim? Um, yeah, you can add small little things um, onto it as well. Uh, I do just basic things, so you can just add fun little tidbits as well if you want. Okay, so we're starting with Leo, and we have Return of Leo the Girl Harasser as Talia introduces herself and gets acquainted with her long-lost brother. As Leo feels like an intruder, he hears the story of Jason's history, and for the first time, he no longer feels jealous of Jason's life. Jason's mother wasn't the best, and after gaining the favor of Zeus twice, she became more unbearable until the day she said Jason had gone. It was here that Leo and Jason wonder if it was Jupiter's form that returned the second time for Jason, and maybe, maybe the purple-wearing demigods were being taught by a crazy Latin teacher. Whatever the case, our heroes don't have time to think on it. Their deadline is looming, so it's time to head up to the wind god. Halfway there, Leo causes a problem where he gets a little too overexcited, a little too heated, and his discovery about Jason, oh, about his discovery about Jason, and the bridge leading to the castle disappears. With Talia on her way to Hera, our heroes head up to the god with new information to help them out. Woo! <laughs> I did stumble a little bit. I, like many demigods, suffer, suffer with dyslexia. So I have a hard time. Oh, I hear you, Queen, honestly. Yeah. That's why I'm always like, I know there's going to be like spelling mistakes and some sentence structure errors because of that. It's okay. No, this was good. This was fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, honestly, like, th I think this is one of the first times we've gotten so much more in Leo's chapters, but none of it's about Leo. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I guess Leo's just good. He's a supporting character. Sorry to Leo. I know he becomes an important part of whatever in the later books, but he really is just there as a supporting character. He he does not have main character energy. He does not vibe as a main character. No. I think that's kind of unfortunate. Like there is so much interesting about him. The flaws aside <laughs> that I think would make him a really interesting character. And I just think it's really annoying that he's being characterized as like this annoying like overactive sort of person that kind of gets on other people's nerves like it's fine to have someone who's overactive and stuff but the fact that he knows he gets on other people's nerves and kind of keeps doing it even though he's aware as well i i think and i think it sucks a little bit that he's not able not for him but more that that kind of influences his relationship with his friends like i think 
he can be that way but i would rather it wasn't written in that his friends didn't like that about him because i feel like that's not fair to him that his friends don't appreciate that side of him that's actually the most relatable thing about any character is because you know when you're like in a group of people and you like say something annoying you're like oh my gosh that was so annoying but you just like can't you can't stop. You're just like, oh my gosh, I'm being so annoying. And you just like, you know, everybody else knows that you're being annoying and you know that you're being annoying, but you just can't stop being annoying. That's how Leo lives his life, which is very upsetting to me because because it's too relatable, you know? Like, do you ever read something that's just, just a little too on the nose for you? And you're like, oh God, this is me. Um, And that's just Leo all the time, which is so unfortunate for him and that's why he can't have main character energy because he is so annoying but it's endearing i think it's endearing Mm, i definitely think it is to like a level because i think that's what like i would really get on with his character if well mainly there's mainly one other thing this kind of isn't the issue that i have with his character i think the issue that i end up having with it is because the fact that that is part of his character and no one else likes it makes me dislike it because it just makes me feel sad for his character that these things aren't kind of aren't helping him be, build these relationships with people that he considers friends. Which is why I always feel like the the, the friendship quote unquote groups in the in Heroes of Olympus just feel really fake in the end. Like they don't feel like they've developed proper like a proper friendship and it's the same with the lost hero like these three are meant to be like really good friends and i'm like but where like there's no sign that they would be friends like jason's irritated by leo in like the first two chapters um piper is frustrated by the fact that he keeps giving her nicknames and she doesn't appreciate them and she doesn't want them um and he himself kind of also ostracizes himself at the same time by kind of focusing so much on feeding like this third wheel and kind of not being active to try and change it and letting that sort of happen in some way um it feels realistic but then it just kind of feels sad because it's like these guys aren't friends because you don't let your friend feel like shit yeah no I agree I think it's so weird to me that like Rick places such an importance on like people coupling up that he doesn't focus on the friendship anymore like we have this these seven group like seven teenagers together they're together for a long time you'd think that they'd have you know some sort of bonding experience but they all just like focus on being coupled up with each other and i think that really hurts his character development with some of these characters especially leo because a lot of the first like lost hero is him just being like wow my two best friends are going to start dating like are dating and this really sucks and I'm a third wheel and this is a bummer I'm alone but he could have focused on you know instead of getting Piper and Jason together because they don't make any sense at all they have absolutely no chemistry like Frank has more chemistry with his like piece of wood that's going to kill him than Jason and Piper have together and yet we have to sit through 500 pages of them you know getting together even though nobody's rooting for them I'm sorry internet don't cancel me um and it just makes Leo into this weird third wheel that makes everyone even more uncomfortable 
because then he's like focusing on getting a girlfriend because he doesn't want to be a third wheel because he's a 15 year old boy who feels insecure about himself and I think that's where Rick went wrong with Leo's character yeah I completely agree there's just something about (laughs) <laughs> the fact that he, he does have this message in it and the way in which it's quote-unquote resolved in the end as well hate it hate it i oh, can't wait to get to that point so i can like rip it to shreds but yeah i think th- it's the added part as well just like even in this lost the, the lost hero it gets to this point where i'm just like well it's no wonder you aren't dating anyone mm. leo you're a bit of a creep like the way in which he talks to some especially Tanya, like his sort of opening line to Tanya is, so how serious is uh, the rules for hundreds of Artemis about dating? Is it like a seasonal thing? And I'm like, that's really? <laughs> like, do you think that's really appropriate? Not only to your best friend's sister, but to someone you've just met as the kind of first thing you really say to them. Like it's, and then the way he kind of thinks about her at the same time, like his op- the opening for this chapter is him talking about sort of like, in a sense, the attractiveness of Talia as well. And he did it with, um, I, I can't remember her name. I call her Evil Elsa, the snow lady from... Keone. <laughs> Keone, that's it. Um, yeah, I ca- I've been calling her Evil Elsa for like four episodes. <laughs> it's like for four episodes and I was like, I don't know her name. I'm going to call her Evil Elsa. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. But like his chapters for her, like his opening chapter when they're there is about how beautiful she is as well. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, give me some more character, Leo, without just talking about a woman's looks. Usually one you haven't spoken to at this point either. Like in both cases, he hadn't said a word to a single one of them. He'd just been kind of thinking about it and then kind of got a bit weird. And I just think it's just, it's a little disappointing that that's his character. But the, I guess the main kind of positive thing that happens with these chapters is that he's the one who figures out the Roman and Greek distinction. Like, that's brilliant. Like, big brain, big, big brain moment for Leo there. Big brain, Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> I think Erica on Seaweed Brain made this point where Rick only knows how to describe characters and like people with their looks so everybody always just seems like they're in love with everyone because they like look at people and they're like oh look at how beautiful their hair looks today but it's only because like rick that's the only way he knows how to describe people and so it just makes everyone look like they're in love with everyone else um but i do agree i mean leo has a one-track mind uh, he is a teenage boy. I will say that. I will say that again. Uh, he is a little teenage boy with one thing on his mind, and that is going through puberty. And that is very unfortunate for him and a little unfortunate for us as well. I don't think I ever considered that. But yeah, he is currently going through puberty. And as they always say at this point, it is one of the main things going through the majority of teenage boys minds i'm like oh my god this makes so much sense i'm like oh god but we're gonna have to put up with this for like four books no i know you just have to like remember back to when you were a teenager (laughs) sometimes you're like i guess it's yeah 
coming from like a healthcare perspective, I work in healthcare, by the way, to, <laughs> you know, put that in there. But it's just like watching these developmental stages with kids. Like you have to remember like how old they are, what they're going through. Um, Leo, I don't really, I don't know where I was going with that, but like you have to, <laughs> you have to remember what developmental stages they're going through. These characters have to relate to children. Unfortunately, we're adults reading them and we have to be like, we're like, oh God, Leo's a skeevy guy at the bar that, that won't leave us alone. But actually he's a 15 year old boy who just has one thing on his mind all the time. Yeah, and he's too young to be in a bar. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so like, because I have said this so many times, when I read these books, I always picture these characters as my age because I can't even imagine children like doing this stuff because this is like traumatizing. This is horrifying. They're like, constantly battling for their lives they think they're gonna die all the time so I'm like obviously these are adults and then I have to like take a step back and be like wait these are kids these are children's books these are written for kids to relate to other kids so they obviously like Rick wants to put in like those teenage struggles the struggling with puberty without actually saying like oh Leo's struggling with puberty you know like kind of like a subtle thing like oh I feel this way too for the kids that are reading this but when you go as an adult and you're reading this like I'm like oh god Leo's this like 24 year old man and he's like a creep but he's actually just a 15 year old boy that doesn't know what's going on half the time and I will say I haven't read Trials of Apollo I do hear that he's worse there I don't know much about it I haven't read those books so I can't defend him all the way but I will defend him in these books a little bit I will fight you on a couple <laughs> that's fair here is olympus i guess i can give him a bit of a pass um i'm merely i'm one of those people i'm just like no, no, no teenagers <laughs> stop this <laughs> so i kind of i give him a pass without giving him much of a one but i don't give anyone a pass like i think that's the main like the thing about my podcast i don't give anyone a pass like if they're doing something dumb i'm gonna tell them they're doing something dumb <laughs> Hey, that's fair. They're fictional characters. They can't hear you, so you might as well just rip them apart. <laughs> yeah, I wish the fans were that. Like, I'm, I'm sure one day my podcasts are going to be used to try and cancel me from within the Percy Jackson fan. It was like, look what she said about XYZ. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's true. I said it. That's fair enough. <laughs> God forbid you get kicked out of the Percy Jackson fandom. <laughs> Imagine that. Honestly, I think that'd be fair. I wish they're like, no, you're not welcome in the fandom anymore. I'm like, okay <laughs> all right I'm i'll good. just go go on living my life i'll find something else to be a fan of <laughs> it's like i guess gotta get like tattoo removal now and all that sort of stuff <laughs> i've been oh, well. booted <laughs> <laughs> oh I mean, uh, i'm just trying to picture how that would happen but i'm getting off topic um <laughs> um i guess to kind of go into the focus points you've talked a little bit about one of the relationships of like leo and and women in that sort of situation um i'd love to know your thoughts about the whole jason and tardia sort of sibling situation and like just your thoughts on it as a whole yeah i mean i don't know i thought that was always like a really weird plot point i think it it's interesting and i think what rick is trying to do is like make a connection between the greek and the Roman side of the gods and also um, kind of give Jason his backstory without Jason completely getting his memory back. 
And it always felt really weird to me. But also, I mean, I kind of like the connection between Jason and Talia. Like, they're two very, very different characters. And they would never have a relationship unless they were siblings. You know, like, you're not going to hang out with people like that unless they're your family. And so I kind of like that they have, like, the Hunters of Artemis tied to the seven of the prophecy through Jason in that way. Because I know, like, Percy was friends with Talia, but I think it really ties the hunters with the seven and gives them a reason to, you know, like, come back in later books and, like, help help the seven instead of maybe just being like, eh, we're going to kind of just do our own thing and not deal with you guys. But it, it does have that, like, tie to the seven of them. And I, I think it's interesting. It was kind of, like, out of left field did not expect it really was like thrown off was like oh my gosh it's Talia that's kind of weird and she's like yeah you're my brother and like she's known this the whole time but like never told anyone she had a brother like that's kind of a traumatic thing your baby brother dying like she thought he was dead Mm. that's kind of odd I think that's kind of where I'm at with it as well because it just it does just feel so weird like it, it is pretty much like like what you said. It just feels like it's there just to kind of fill in some of the blanks about Jason's memory, and that's kind of it, as well as give more of the hints to the Greek and Roman situation. Um, I kind of like what you said about it being a good connective thread for like the future books of them coming back to help. Because I know there was like another situation of like like Hazel in in the next book um, being a child of Pluto and having that connection with Nico. I thought it was really cute, but I do still remember thinking okay but why like <laughs> like she could have been a child of a different god like i feel like considering that we've got another like we've got a child of hades situation with nico as well and he's he plays quite a big role in in heroes of olympus in some sense as well i feel like if she'd be if hazel had been a, another god's child but had like a relationship or friendship with nico in heroes of olympus and having that bond or something but i'm guessing kind of in your sense of like the whole hunters tying to jason and tying to the seven that kind of works with hazel being tied to nico so nico can come and help out the seven as well similar to rainer as well like obviously he and rainer are like everyone says the seven plus nico and rainer and they're practically involved already um, so I guess that's kind of like that makes a lot of sense in terms of finding a way to connect them it just does very much feel just like but why <laughs> like, yeah what, the I reason? also think it's really interesting how their siblings and Talia is part of the hunters because Artemis and Apollo are siblings but they're very different as well so like Artemis is the moon she's darker she's night she's got her dark hair and then you've got Apollo who's the sun he's bright and Jason's like blonde. So I think it's like an interesting parallel as well that maybe Rick was trying to do, or maybe he wasn't trying to do that. And I'm just doing that for him. So maybe it's interesting. Like it, it was a very interesting choice, I think. Yeah. That's the, the podcasting job of trying to fill in some of the blanks and be like, you know what? <laughs> this is now headcanon. This is, this is now real. This was clearly the intention of the entire situation because all other reasons make no sense. <laughs> yeah yeah we're (laughs) filling in the holes for him you're welcome rick (laughs) we'll we'll take you know a bonus of any kind if uh if you see fit or just you know bring us on to like the the team for the tv show you know that's i give us a call like we're available (laughs) on instagram twitter (laughs) 
email. Yeah, my DMs are open, Rick. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Come on. Slide into the DMs. Well, like, I'd say I'd do it for free, but like, no, I, money. <laughs> I would do it for free. <laughs> okay. Maddie's a better person than me. I would, I would want money. <laughs> no, I just don't. I don't have much going on in my life. So I might as well uh, do something like that. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> it definitely would be fun. It'll be enjoyable. I'm looking forward to when the show comes out. I am really excited for the show. And I really hope that they go into Heroes of Olympus. I think like, I mean, this is way, way, way in the future, but. Um, oh God, we'll be, really be nearing cool. our forties or something, probably by the time that Heroes of Olympus comes around. <laughs> oh, oh my that God. That <laughs> I'm not wow. that close to my forties. <laughs> oh wait, no, I forgot. I'm, I'm older than you by, well, actually how much older am I? I'm 26 this year. And I, I turned 26 in February. Okay. So we're around the same age. So I'm just thinking, cause like most, like you don't usually get like a season every year. So there'll be like five seasons of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, but kind of add like an extra year to each of those probably for like production and filming. So maybe about eight years from now, we'll then be heading into Heroes of Olympus. So we'll be 36, 37, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My back just popped. I feel <laughs> I'm aging as we speak. <laughs> well, I, literally, I feel like I'm in menopause because like I'm getting the hot flushes, but that's probably just the heat wave. I can't actually <laughs> tell. <laughs> we, we're not sure right now. <laughs> we're not sure. We're, we're questioning many things. <laughs> wow okay for everyone listening i'm kind of sorry but i'm also not this is this is hilarious <laughs> um okay to move on so i'll stop um <laughs> so the next focus point is mythology so we kind of don't have too much mythology wise in this section other than like Kaon. i'm gonna say it that way i don't care if it's wrong you could tell me i'm still not gonna care it's like Kaon. um <laughs> who is the king of Arcadia, as he mentions, who, during his time as a mortal, fed Zeus human flesh and was cursed to kind of transform or be a wolf for all time. And I don't think it's mentioned in this section, but his sons were also turned into wolves in the original story. So I'm thinking the wolves that are with him are meant to be his sons as well. I'm not too sure. Um, but they can't transform into a human form. I think they were made to be like wolves, wolves, and then he was made into like a werewolf sort of figure. Um, it's weird. The story changes a lot. That's the one issue about Greek mythology. There's no right story. They're all different in some way. Um, but it was interesting to kind of get his, like it felt a bit random having his story in it. Like he's just kind of appeared. But um, for me, he feels like a, one of the more terrifying villains that we've gotten so far because he's he's mortal and human whilst also being like animalistic at the same time which I feel like is like a more terrifying like combination like someone who is mortal in a sense but has this ability to become like an animal and kill and do like horrific things while still being so aware of what they're doing because they have a mortal form um it's like Medea like Medea is fully mortal just with magic powers and she's terrifying as well just like the power of which more of what mortals can do as well to heroes is just 
kind of crazy but I'm intrigued like what you thought about like like Aeon's introduction in this and the fact that he'll probably be a, well he does appear later as well in this book yeah I'm gonna be honest like he's not he's not one of my favorite villains I he kind of freaks me out I guess a little bit I guess the whole human flesh thing kind of ugh, that freaks me out but um and I also just I don't know he kind of was like a little too much like he didn't have like layers to him like you know Medea or like one of those other villains that are more interesting like have a more um intricate backstory I think his is more like I just fed human meat to a god like that's weird that's just weird but anyway I think it is interesting um I do like how in Greek mythology they use like mythical creatures or cryptids to kind of like show the more like bad side of human nature but they also have like humans are capable of doing these horrible things and they're it's like a lesson it's like don't be a horrible person and like don't do horrifying things or this stuff is going to happen to you which I think is interesting and it's like a very archaic way of like teaching people lessons and it it kind of distances your distances yourself from like the bad thing that happened but it still is like a warning and a lesson and I think that's kind of interesting I'm not like a huge Greek mythology fan I know that sounds like really weird coming from a Percy Jackson podcaster um but Greek mythology is just kind of like I don't know I wasn't one of those kids that was like oh I'm gonna go read the story of Zeus like I wasn't interested in that and I'm still not really interested in that um except for the Madeline Miller books which I absolutely love and I'm gonna plug them right now because I was just on an episode of Seaweed Brain where we talked about Song of Achilles and Fran slept through it which was very sad (laughs) but go check that out if you're interested in Greek mythology and the story of Achilles but I don't know, this was just kind of like a, I went like on a huge tangent there and that, I don't think any of that made sense, but um, I don't know, I didn't really, I didn't really like this villain. That's, that's fair. The only thing that I want to add, and this is, this is the main thing that kind of annoyed me about this, and it's the one thing that I'll say and then we'll move on to the next bit. Um, there is no such thing as an alpha wolf, and they've described it so much in this book, and it just pisses me off. It is a disproven theory that only appears in captive wolves because of the way in which captivity changes their nature. It is a sociological, not sociological, it's a social family group. There is no alpha hierarchy there's a like a mum and a dad basically that's stop it stop and now i'm done <laughs> i just love how men will take one fact that they read in like a national geographic magazine from like 1995 and will make it their entire personality it's just it's fascinating to me mm-hmm. it's, uh... but yeah no i totally agree with you about this alpha wolf stuff it's so it's obnoxious just stop just stop it's so unnecessary i'm like why why what what was the point of this (laughs) like that didn't need to be included but it's there so i can talk shit about it (laughs) also humans don't need to model themselves off of wolves anyway so wolves are always better so you know like 
humans can never compare. Wolves are <laughs> literally the better species. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, just a plug. I'm just going to pop this in the thing. Um, there is a situation going on in the US at the moment of this huge culling of wolves that has been sanctioned, which is going to end up putting wolves back on the endangered species list. I'm going to put a link in the episode show notes to go and sign for uh, the governors in the certain states this is happening in, which I believe is there is one in Michigan. There is, uh, I think there's one in Idaho, I think. I don't know states, but there's a lot of that happening at the moment, which is going to end up putting wolves at um, huge risk. So um, yeah, I'm going to pop that in the episode show notes just remembered that and i know that's the situation so <laughs> just wanted to plug that briefly um because we get serious sometimes here on on the best damn camp it's rare but it does happen um so going into the last focus point for this episode which is narrative so we're kind of getting on pretty well with the story so far it's taken 400 pages but we're, we're closing in on the main part of the book. Way! Um, I guess I kind of only have like one main negative about it. And it's kind of what I just said. It's dragged. So like the fact that it's taking 400 pages and we're only just getting to the main thing that was mentioned in on like page 150 of like them getting to the main wind god or the situation with the wind gods and uh, i don't know i don't even remember half of this book we're 400 pages in and i'm like i don't know i don't actually remember what's happened thus far in this book it's just we're not even at the main point we've still got to go to this wind god and then we've got to figure out whether we're going to go to san francisco or wherever here it is and then it's going to take however long to get to that point as well and it's like can we just not just go to one of them now <laughs> like I know. I totally agree. One of my biggest problems with the Heroes of Olympus as a series is that they build up and they're like trying to say like how dire the situation is. Like this is the end of the world as we know it, but it takes so long to get there. And I don't know, it's the same amount of books as the original Percy Jackson series, but it, it just feels 10 times longer and I know the books are thicker because they're for like older kids whatever but man it just and I think one of the biggest problems like one of the reasons that it um feels like it drags so long is because we have like these different narrators and these different perspectives and they all have to give their opinion on what's happening and so we we have to go through the same things over and over again because everybody has to have their point of view and everybody has to say like what they're feeling at that moment and it just gets exhausting and it gets so long-winded it really does like literally, I can't remember what it's like, Camp Half-Blood. So when they get to Camp Half-Blood, Piper, Jason and Leo all have their own sections all at the same time, all on the different areas of Camp Half-Blood. I'm like, why do I care? Just get to the point. Like, it's take it. We know Camp Half-Blood. Have one POV with one of them seeing Camp Half-Blood. Probably Leo, because I think he sees a bit more of it than like Piper does. Have Piper's thing of ending up randomly at the hero section. Just kind of speed it up, speed it up. Like I think we leave Camp Half Blood ne- at nearing the three hundred page mark. That's when like we leave. I'm like Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, 
we've not even gone on the quest yet and it's like and we're nearly three we're at 300 pages in basically it's like my god it's just it takes so long for everything to happen and like we've gotten to 400 pages we've just found out that we've just had piper reveal that her dad is missing and they're trying to figure out who to go save her dad or hera and then we've kind of basically kind of got the lowdown on the Roman Greek situation to an extent, which is something we've kind of been aware of from the start. But it's taken 400 pages for these two big plot points to kind of occur. And we've still got two others to go. And it's just, wow, <laughs> that's so long before anything happened significantly. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because like he'll have like 50 pages of nothing. Like there's nothing going on. Nobody's doing anything. There's no plot. And then he'll have like 50 pages of just like every single piece of information that you need for everything to finally be pieced together. And it's like, what is the point? Like, let's let's get on with it. It's so draining. Yeah, it, it's hard to get through this book. It is really hard. This is probably the hardest book to read out of the whole series. I would I would say that. Mm, definitely. But you're almost there. You are almost there. Exactly. <laughs> that That is the one thing that's keeping me through this is like, I'm close to the end now. Um, actually, hold on. I'm full <laughs> past. So we're at page 402. Um, and how many pages are there for this? So there, oh God, no, hold on, that's a glossary. There are 550 pages. I have 150 pages left. 150 pages left to go. My God. I did not realise that's how much. The fact that the first book is is longer than the last book is a problem. I didn't even realize that. Oh my gosh. I read them so far apart. Wow. That is, that's damning. That yeah, is damning evidence. I've just looked. The last book is the shortest of all five. The la- the one with the big battle that has been leading up to for the previous four books is the shortest of them all. What? <laughs> Make it make sense. Yeah, that does not make sense at all. That's why I feel like the Heroes of Olympus kind of like fell flat. Sorry to the Heroes of Olympus fans, but like it just, there's so much buildup to the end of the, this book series. And then, you know, the stakes have never been higher, but it doesn't feel that way. And also it just, they like rush into the end and then like the end happens and you're just like, what just happened? Like, it's so quick and you don't even realize it. And The Last Olympian is like one of the best finales to a series that I've ever read. And then I was expecting so much more from Blood of Olympus. And I just, I just didn't feel it. It just feels like these, there's four insanely long books telling us how much the stakes are, like how high the stakes are. But I just don't feel like the stakes are high. I'm like, well, I honestly wouldn't wouldn't mind if Gaia kind of took over. Doesn't feel like that it's that bad of a thing. Maybe capitalism will end. And I'll probably be happier. I'll live in the woods. Yeah. Admittedly, it's just like, is Gaia really that bad? 
and mainly the human like humans are the reason why everything sucks so like she'd get rid of the problem he's got a good point i don't really understand why we're fighting her <laughs> oh my god she i feel like she'd like thanos the situation and she wouldn't be wrong like it's like the whole thing like was thanos really wrong no like we even see like what was it end game situation we see how better the world has become in terms of the environment with like yeah. half the population gone there's like trees growing up through the streets and it's like the air is probably cleaner yep the the ocean's cleaner like the whales are coming closer to like like new york and stuff because they're feeling more comfortable the web the water's better like gaia has a point like you know i support her i'm on team gaia <laughs> yeah I, I just switched to the villain side <laughs> yeah and like but are they really the villains or are they the villains because the protagonists tell us so she does want to like end the world i don't know i think murder's bad I don't actually remember what her goal is or what her end game is. What is that bad? Like, I'm just kind of like, I'm like, oh yeah, I agree with her. Like, this is great. But I'm like, what actually was her goal? And was yeah. it just to kill all the gods? Because if it was, I like agree. But also, I don't know if I do. I Yeah. I don't actually know. Because like, if that was her goal, then like technically the Titans, like we would have agreed with the Titans, but like the Titans were going a bit further because they wanted to like enslave all humanity as well. But like, yeah, I don't know what her goal is. Like, I think she just wanted to wake up. Yeah, which would be bad because then like the Earth would like destroy itself because she's woken up. The Earth is like no more. I was gonna say flat, but I, I know it's gonna be like a flat Earth. They're listening, like ah, see, <laughs> um, which obviously was good. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't actually know i think she was just like ready to wake up but i don't ah, i'm confused yeah what's her end game someone explain this to me <laughs> what, what does gaia want i don't know my dms oh. are open please explain the entire plot of heroes of olympus i still don't understand it uh, yeah i've read it so many times and i've just realized i don't actually know what gaia <laughs> wanted no one knows what this villain's goal is <laughs> Oh no! Well, that's a little problematic. That. Yeah, that's Jesus. Well, I want to ask that question, but technically, because we don't actually know that Gaia is the villain right now, I can't have that as this week's question of the episode. Oh shoot! I'm sorry if I oh, spoiled no, no, no. anything. This is, this is a spoiler. Like this is a po- spoiler podcast. It is okay, fine. Don't okay. worry about it. Um, I've been like I've been spoiling everything from like the get go, so it's all good. I put a thing at the start so everyone knows. If they don't. <laughs> how have you missed the intro for this podcast the entire like 70 episodes i've done come on now but uh, <laughs> um yeah so they're fine they they know what's up um so i can't ask this as the question of the episode i'll have to do it later down the line probably when i get to well, well basically when we know what guy is up to um <laughs> but um yeah for everyone listening well we're kind of done we don't know what guy is about we don't know what lost era is about everything's a mess we're all dying inside um and i feel that's a good summary (laughs) for this situation with the lost hero so far like things have happened but not much at the same time Um, and we're just confused we're just confused it's all happening we don't quite know what (laughs) but we're vibing having a great time exactly we're vibing we're chilling we've got what 
I don't have a beverage because I finished my drink, but you know, non-alcoholic drinks because I probably got a lot of young listeners. So get yourself some squash. As you know, lots of Americans get yourself water. <laughs> Be hydrated. Guys. Be hydrated. It's good for you. Hydrate or dehydrate. <laughs> Oh my god, that's better than everything that I've ever said. I usually say like this is the hydration nation, but that is no. so much better. <laughs> hydrate now or dehydrate to your little vocabulary. Hydrate or dehydrate. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You heard them, guys. Let's get on to it. But obviously, what everyone is listening to, this is this week's question of the episode, which is something that we and we me and Maddie discuss, which is what do you think of Jason and Talia being siblings? Did it make sense to you or did it feel plot convenient? Obviously, that's going up on all of our social media. You can answer that on the Instagram or Twitter or send in an email if you have more detailed thoughts. I would love to hear that. But uh, to finish up, Maddie, thank you so much for coming on. This has been absolutely amazing. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Oh I my gosh. Talking to people about Percy Jackson. It was really fun. Oh God. It really was. I feel like I've learned so much of like <laughs> the patriarchy and his involvement with Piper as a character. You know, the whole Leo situation. I'm loving it. I've learned. I'm educated. Guys, don't worry. I'll go back to my normal uneducated self next week. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I feel like I've learned a lot. Like this is the whole thing that I love about having guests on. You learn so many more different perspectives from other people and it's just great. I just love it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This was really fun. I had a great time. Oh, that's good. I love to hear that. But um, yeah, let everyone know where they can find uh, you, your podcast, all that good stuff. And obviously linked in the episode show notes for afterwards. Yeah, uh, you can find Fatal Flaw wherever you listen to Best Damn Camp. (laughs) And um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Fatal Flaw PJO. We are kind of on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but I'm getting us back on track. So look for new episodes, catch up with all the old ones and come vibe with us. It'll be a great time. And it really is. You will enjoy every episode of it. I promise. And again, be sure to listen to Fatal Floor. This is not a request. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So to head into the sign off for The Best Damn Camp. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this story segment. Be sure to join me next Wednesday to continue the Roddenverse journey. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, Deezer, and basically anywhere you can listen to podcasts. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media, our Best Damn Camp pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me your thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com or become a podcast patron over at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for early access and other exclusive perks. Want more Percy Jackson content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my own writing, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you guys for tuning in and for and from and to Maddie for joining me for this episode. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter. I'll see, slash speak to you guys next time. Bye.